Today I'm going to be sharing a message called Put the Standards Back. This is part two. How many of you heard part one? If you haven't heard part one, I would encourage you to go online and listen to it. Uh, you know, there you could classify sermons into two categories. There are the how high do you jump sermons, and then there are the how straight do you walk sermons. The how high do you jump sermons are the one that get you excited and they make you jump really, really high in your spirit and you just love them and they feel good and they're wonderful. And then there's the kind where maybe you don't get too excited, but you're getting information that you need that's going to help you live on a daily basis the way that God wants you to live. And this series is really more of that how straight do you walk uh, kind of a sermon. And, uh, but I want you to know that it's powerful and it's going to help you when you leave here today, be able to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and live the way God wants you to live. How many of you want to live the way God wants you to live? Amen. To please him. Now, let me also say that this message, this series is not about your salvation. It's not about how people get saved. It's not about your righteousness, how you are holy before God. It's not about even your position in Christ. Those things are all based on your faith. It's more about your sanctification. In other words, how you live on this earth as a Christian. Did you know that the Bible is full of instructions to you and I on how we should live as Christians after we are born again? Can you say amen? And that's what I'm going to be talking with you about today. A lot of this, uh, as Beth has mentioned the last two or three years and the quarantine and the COVID and how life has changed so much, a lot of this has really come out of watching human beings as Christians exist through the last two or three years and some things that I really feel like from the word are going to give you and I insight into how we can live more effectively the way God wants us to live. I'm going to start in Philippians 3 chapter 17. It says, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He's saying here, there's a way you live, there's a way you conduct yourself, follow the pattern that we have set out for you. For many walk, of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about the difference between living according to the pattern of the world and living according to the pattern that God has set out for us. This scripture tells us that there will be people who live for their appetite, that what they desire, their feelings, their hungers, what they want in their flesh becomes the thing that they want in life. That's what they go after. It has become their God. It has become the thing that tells them how to live and what to do. We see it in the world's way of living. It is whatever I feel like doing is what I should do. Whatever I feel like on the inside is truth and it is right and you can't tell me right and wrong. And uh, you end up with this wishy-washy, whatever I feel like doing at the moment kind of life. And I feel like we have a lot of that going on in the world today. We see it everywhere that people just however they feel is their God. Whatever they want in the moment is their God. And, and uh, we're seeing that played out in the world. Now, the, the disciple here, the apostle is telling us 
We don't live according to the pattern of the world. We have our own pattern, and that pattern is the Word of God. The Word of God tells us how to live, and if we're going to live as Christians, we make the Word of God the standard by which we live, right? Not our appetite, not our feelings. Did you know that sometimes being a Christian means that you do what you don't feel like doing? Now, that there, this mindset of your appetite as your God has really crept into a lot of people in Christianity, and they, they really blame the Holy Spirit for making their choices. They, they say, well, I felt it, so it must have been God. So if I feel like going to church, that was God's will. But if I didn't feel like going to church, that wasn't God's will. If I felt like giving, that was God's will. But if I didn't feel like giving, well, God wasn't telling me to do it. And I'm here to tell you today that that is not the pattern that God has set out for us to live your feelings are not God your appetite is not God how things are in the moment is not God in fact the Bible teaches us that we have to regulate our emotions according to the Word of God that we have to renew our minds and our thinking according to the Word of God that it is the Word of God that is the standard by which we live so we realize today that there is a battle going on inside of you. Do you know, child of God, that when you were born again, you became this vessel for the excellent treasure of the Holy Spirit of the living God? You became this carrier, this container that's supposed to go out into the world and spill the goodness of God all over the world around you? Did you realize that? And did you realize that your container is not perfect yet? The fleshly life that you live, your thinking, your feelings, the, your attitudes, your body, your, your mouth, none of that is perfect yet. That's why the Bible tells us that we have this treasure in jars of clay or earthen vessels. And it is so that when people see God doing something in you, you don't get the glory, but God gets the glory, right? So people look at Stephen and say, well, I know Stephen. He's not perfect, and yet something miraculous, something wonderful came out of his life. It must have been God, right? If Stephen was perfect, people would say, well, Stephen is really God-like, right? He's just like Jesus because he's perfect. But God left us imperfect so that he would get the glory. What that means, though, is that this perfect spirit within us is trying to work through an imperfect vessel. Are you with me today? This is where we get messed up because you have the ability to wake up in the morning and obey the spirit within you, which is God's will, or to obey the flesh, which is not God's will. Did you know the Bible teaches us that the flesh, the attitude, the desires of the flesh are in contrast to the word of God. They want to do the opposite of what God wants them to do. Have you noticed that almost every good thing you do in life requires you to say no to your flesh? I mean, even like eating right, exercising, getting up and going to work, uh, keeping your mouth shut when you want to pop off to somebody, right? All of that requires you to say no to a part of you that wants to do what it wants to do. Have you ever known somebody or maybe you've seen a video of them online and they just have no control over themselves. They just do whatever they feel like doing at the moment. And they just say whatever they say like doing at the moment. And they often get popped in the mouth or they get arrested by the police or they get in big trouble in some sort of situation. They get fired from their job. It is not God's pattern for Christians to be living a life where our appetite, our fleshly desires are our God. We are supposed to have disciplined lives. Amen. Do you know God expects you to be disciplined? Amen? God expects you to be disciplined. 
And what is the discipline? What is the standard by which we force ourselves to live the way we should? It is the word of God. We live according to the word of God. Now, some people, you know, I know the Holy Spirit lives within us and he moves us through our lives and he influences us and he'll rise up within us and give us a nudging or speak to our hearts. And that's wonderful. But that isn't the only way by which we live. We live according to the word of God. And you know, the word of God exists within me, but it also exists outside of me in my Bible. And I'm supposed to read it and get it in my mind. And so why do I do that? Because I want what's inside of me to live in my fleshly life. And I need the word of God to be continually pounded into my head. Come on. You can't follow God's word if you don't know God's word. If you're not relentlessly pursuing God's word and reading the Bible, if you're not studying the word of God, if you're not hearing it taught, if you don't have a relentless passion to be submitted to the word of God and to obey it, then you're going to have a hard time living the life God wants you to live. You say, God, what do you want me to do? And he's saying, look in my word. How do you want me to live? Look in my word. What's the pattern for living? Look in my word. It isn't just how you feel in the moment, right? Sometimes as Christians, we have to live in a way where we're doing things that we don't want to do because the Bible tells us to do it. Amen. Come on. It's discipline. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the spirit. What spirit? The Holy Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God expects you to control yourself. Amen? To speak what should be spoken, not just what you feel like saying. To do what should be done and not just do what you feel like doing. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Now, what does he mean by run? He simply means how you travel through life, your journey and how you walk out your daily life. Everyone who competes in, in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, run in such a way as not without aim I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I what? Discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul is saying there are a lot of times that as I journey through this life, I might want to do something else, but I have predetermined who I'm going to be, what I'm going to do, and I make my mouth, I make my emotions, I make my attitude, I make my actions line up with that. He said, I make my very body my slave. He used discipline to make himself do what God had already told him to do. Are you with me today? 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, of love, and of discipline. Do you know if you have the Holy Spirit on you, he's going to give you the power to discipline yourself. You don't have to do what you feel like doing. You don't have to say what you're thinking in your mind. I want you to know today that God knows you have a weak flesh. He knows that your emotions are weak. He knows that your thinking is weak. He knows that your mouth is weak and your words are weak and your actions sometimes are weak. He knows that you and I aren't perfect yet. We make mistakes. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Amen. He gave us the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it is God's answer to giving power to your weak flesh. I would ask you today, child of God, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
has he come not just in you but upon you it is God's power for your flesh so that you have the ability to do not what your flesh wants you to do but what the spirit wants you to do amen what the world needs today is a Holy Ghost filled, empowered church that has not just the spirit within us, but the spirit upon us, giving us the power to do what, the, what God has called us to do. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit will change your feelings. The Holy Spirit will change your emotions. The Holy Spirit will change all aspects of your thinking and everything. But a lot of people think of the baptism in the Holy Spirit as this emotional experience. And listen, God can use your emotions. Have you ever had God make you feel a certain way and he was leading you? I have. Have you ever got, had God make you think a certain way and he was leading you, right? But I want you to know that the, the real power of the Holy Spirit upon your life is that he empowers your will. He gives you the power to say no to things you should say no to and yes to things you should say yes to. Amen. Now, we don't like that because that's not so much about jumping up and down on a Sunday morning because we feel the exuberance of the Holy Ghost. That's more about when you leave here and God tells you to love your neighbor when you don't want to. And yet you do it anyway. When God tells you to give and you don't want to, yet you do it anyway. When God tells you to share the good news with somebody, and you may not feel like sharing the news, but you go ahead and you tell the story because you know you should... And you do it, and God does an amazing thing. It is the power to make the right choice in your life, to say no to the flesh and yes to the Holy Spirit, to walk, to run, to move through life according to the pattern of the Word of God and not to yourself. I'm here to tell you today that what we need is to get the standard back in our life that is the Word of God that says my life will be measured against the Word of God. It won't be measured by my feelings or what society thinks or what the latest cool thing is in church today. I'm going to pattern my life according to the Word of God when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. Amen? Come on. Yes, God has given us the spirit and he will often push us from the inside into alignment with the word of God. But God has also given us some external tools, things that will help us discipline our earthly lives so that we can live in alignment with the word of God. Are you hearing me today? And I want to talk about one of those external things that the scriptures lay out for us that we can use that will help us discipline our lives so that we can pattern ourselves after the standard of the word of God. And that is accountability. Accountability. And I just heard a collective, oh no, from a whole bunch of people online right now. <laughs> if they hear this message, there are Christians everywhere who are going to tell you that accountability is what's wrong with the church. There shouldn't be any kind of a hierarchy or government or authority in the church that we're all just like right here and God is here and in some sense we are we're all we're all a part of the body of Christ and we're all just as important and our role is just as important as anybody else's but did you know that the Bible teaches us there is a biblical layer of spiritual authority in the church and that we should be accountable to it. And I'm going to tell you, talk to you about three ways that accountability is going to help you. Let me first tell you what accountability is not. Accountability is not being told what to do. It's not your pastor constantly telling you, you know, 
when you can spend your money and what kind of car you can drive and when you can go on vacation and stuff like that. That's not what accountability is. Accountability is not being condemned by others when you fall. It's being lifted up by others when you fall, right? Accountability is not being openly humiliated because you fail or because you didn't do what someone else thought you should do. Accountability is, listen to this, it is a conscious choice to allow others to help you complete a task or live according to a predetermined standard. Accountability, biblically, is you making a choice that I'm going to allow other people to hold me accountable. And the reason I do that is because I know it helps me live a better life. Hallelujah. It is opening your life up to others and letting them be a part of your growth in Christ. It is being vulnerable to others. Come on. It's understanding, get this, that you alone without accountability will make more of a mess of your life. Do we know this? Are we mature enough to just admit this? That if we just get to choose whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it and no one knows and we're not accountable for any of it, we're going to make bad choices. Come on. We will often fail. If no one's looking, we often fail. In fact, there are studies that have been done that say if you're accountable to others, you are 65% more likely to follow through than if you just keep it to yourself. In other words, if you tell everybody you're going to quit smoking at work, they hold you accountable. If you tell nobody, you can smoke whenever you want. Nobody knows anything about it. It's just up to you and your private little mind. We need that external force upon us to help us live the way we should. We need it to help us. That's why you need to be a part of a church. I'm here to tell you, if you're online and you're listening to me today, you need to be a part of a local body of believers. You need a set of spiritual elders who are looking out for you, who know your name. If you're traveling all over from church to church and you don't know who your pastor is because you don't really have one, you don't know who you're accountable to, then uh, you're not living the way the scriptures want you to live. And I'm going to talk about that here in just a moment. I'm going to open up some scriptures to you. But let me promise you today, you are not as good as... As you could be unless you belong to a body of believers to whom you are voluntarily accountable to come on if one of you is missing we look out for you we come after you we call on you we pray for you we care for you when you succeed we celebrate with you when you fall we try to help you get back up again that's what accountability is today Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. I like that. You know what? No one can restore you if they don't know anything about your life. If you're living your Lone Ranger Christian life, you don't belong to any church or any group of people, and you're not accountable to anyone, you'll be going through stuff, and no one will have a clue what you're going through. But if you belong to a body of believers, they will look out for you. And even if you're caught in a mistake, in a failure, in a sin, those who are spiritual will beat you up? No. They will restore you in the spirit of gentleness. Watch what he says. Each one looking to yourself so that you will not be tempted too. Bear one another's burdens, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. 
For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one of you must examine his own work, and then he, he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. I love this because it's a description of the local body of people looking out for each other. You're responsible for yourself. I'm not responsible for you before God. You're responsible for you before God, right? And I'm responsible for me. But we are all accountable to each other. And there are times when I need you to hold me accountable. There are times when you need me to hold you accountable. Amen. We are not so good, so holy, so full of the Lord, so in control of our flesh that we always do the right thing. We need that level of accountability. James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, once again, if you don't have a church family, who are you confessing your sins to? Who are you praying for? Who are you talking to and bearing your burden and opening your soul and sharing your weaknesses so that they can help you and lift you up? You're not. You're not because you don't have those people surrounding you. And that's why God gave us the local church. So that we could care for one another, look out for one another. We could even share our deepest, darkest hurts and pains with people we love because they're going to build us up. They're going to pray for us so that we can be made whole once again. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, therefore encourage one another, build one another up just as you also are doing. Now, once again, how can you do that if you're not accountable to other people? If you don't have a family that you're accountable to, how can you do that? Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know why your faith may be dull today? Because you're not around enough other people to sharpen you, to hold you accountable, amen? To, to, to call on you when you're missing, to lift you up when they can see in your countenance that you're drawn down a little bit, to, to, to help you and encourage you and strengthen you. We need one another today. We've got to get accountability to a body of believers put back into our daily life. Amen? Next, we need to be accountable not just to each other, but to those who are called to be in authority over us. Once again, there is a God-ordained spiritual authority structure in the church. And you want to know why? Because we are better if it is. That if every man is just left to himself with no accountability and no leadership and no structure, what we end up with is a mess. But God has ordained the parts of the body. God has positioned us as he wills. Every part is as important as the other. But there is a system of church governance that the Bible spells out before us. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. We, just, we don't want to hear that, do we? For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy. Oh, I love that. Thank you, Lord, for just putting that. That's for pastors, right? He's saying, let them do that with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable to you. Notice what he's saying here. He's saying there are people in authority over you. If you submit to them, it makes their life more joyful, and it is better or profitable for you. He didn't say you're going to like it all the time. 
He didn't say you're going to agree with it all the time. He didn't say it's going to make you have fuzzy feelings all the time. He said it's going to be profitable for you. Now, we're going to get down to this question. I want you to start thinking about it. Which do you want more, to feel good or to be better? Do you want to feel good or do you want to be more like Jesus? Come on. Think about that today. Acts 14, 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. You will find this everywhere where they appointed spiritual leaders in the church, elders, we see it is a, um, I'm going to go on, I'm going to read, this is a long one, but let me read it anyway. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 13. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, or it could be called bishop, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money, he must be one who manages his own household well, keep his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for the church of God? He's talking about leadership in the church. He's even giving requirements for those who are leaders. He cannot be a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or food or sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. I'm just going to stop right there because it goes on and on about the requirements for those who are put in spiritual authority to help lead the people of God. The kingdom of God has shepherds in it, right? It has elders, it has bishops, it has deacons, it has people who lead, and it is our job to submit to them. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, who do you submit to? Well, I submit to people as well. I have a bishop who's over me. I have a board who's over me. And in, in fact, the requirements for me are greater than the requirements for you. Do you know that if I don't send my offering every month... They uh, call me up and ask me why I didn't give my tithe. And if I do it enough, they'll call me into the office and I'll have to give an explanation for, before a board of people as to why I didn't tithe and I could lose my license to preach. Did you know that? I don't have to do that. I can preach whether they like it or not. You know why I hold, submit to accountability? Because it's good for me. Because I need it. Because I know Milan the knucklehead, if he's left to his own devices, makes bad choices and does things he shouldn't do. If you ain't got to that realization yet, you're not paying attention to yourself. If we're just left to our own devices, we make mistakes. It's good. If I don't live the way I should, they hold me accountable, amen? Not only that, but you guys hold me accountable. I mean, if I come in here and I'm uh, drunk on Sunday and I cuss people out, you're not going to put up with that, are you? You're, gonna, you're not going to say, well, he's a pastor. He can do what he wants. No, you're going to hold me accountable. Come on. And it's right. It makes me conduct my life better. It is a tool God has given to us to help us conduct ourselves more like Jesus than like ourselves. Ultimately, though, you're going to be accountable to God. Romans 14, 12. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. 
You have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin, and you have not forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. God is addressing you as his sons and daughters. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the love lords, he disciplines. He scourges every son whom he receives. Has God received you? Then he will discipline you. He will punish you. He will scourge you. Why is it? It is for discipline that you endure. Think about that word endure. It doesn't mean you flow freely. It means there's something coming against you and you stayed the course until you got through it. Come on. You pushed your way through. When you endure, it means something is trying to push you off track, but you won't let it. If you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are not real children. You're not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness ain't that good Oh, thank you, Jesus. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of the joint, but rather healed. That last little line there, those last uh, two verses there may seem strange. Let's look at him for a second. Therefore, he's saying when God chastises you and he corrects you and he pushes you back where you need to be, when he gets you back in the standard of his word, what happens? He strengthens your hands and knees that have been weak and feeble. In other words, the weakness in us that wants to go the other way, that wants to talk when we shouldn't talk, that wants to do when we shouldn't do, that weakness becomes strong. And we start to be able to be who we should be and do what we should do. Are you with me today? So that we have straight paths for our feet. That's a description of the life of Jesus, walking in the pattern that God wants us to walk. Now, we learned last week that if you live a life where your appetite is your God, where whatever you feel is how you live, your life will look like this, Christian. Because one day you'll just be close to the Lord. It'll be the wet season, and you'll just be feeling it, and you're just close to God. But then there'll come a dry season where you're not feeling it anymore. So you won't go to church, and you won't pay your tithes, and you won't pray. And you're way down here, and your life just looks like a big old roller coaster of sometimes you're on it, and sometimes you're not on it. But Jesus' life looked like this, right? The word of God is permanent. It lasts forever. It stays the same. It's unchangeable. Jesus is the word of God lived out in the flesh. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get our lives a little bit closer to that. We're not there yet, but we, we don't have to live like this. We can be consistent in how we live. And accountability helps us live that way. It helps us walk the way we should walk. So the word of God is the standard by which we live, not our feelings. Get that in your mind right now, which means you've got to know the word of God. You've got to read the Bible for yourself. You've got to study it for yourself so you get the word in you. What did the psalmist say? Your word I have hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you. It tells him right and wrong. Your word is a light to my feet, a lamp 
to my path. What is movement, right? Walking. It's how he lived out his life. What guided his life? What lit up how he should walk? It was the word of God. It wasn't how he felt. It still applies to us today. The word of God is the standard by which we live. And it is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to be obedient to the word of God. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to get up on Sunday morning and get to the house of God. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to get up on Monday morning and go to work when you should. The Holy Spirit, let me, let me go even farther back. The Holy Spirit will give you the ability to turn the game system off and go to bed when you should. Holy Spirit will give you the ability to help your wife with the dishes when you want to tell her off. Come on. <laughs> Holy Spirit will give you the ability to pick up your husband's socks and just put him in the dirty clothes rather than giving him another lesson on how he should conduct himself in the home. The Holy Spirit, <laughs> Joe almost clapped, but he thought twice about it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will help you live the way you should. He empowers your choices so that you say no to the flesh and yes to the Holy Spirit. You live in alignment with the word of God. Accountability is a tool that God has given us to help us keep from wandering. We're accountable to each other. We're accountable to someone who is in spiritual authority over us. I want to ask you today, who is your pastor? Who's your elders? Who's looking out for your soul? The Bible says that there'd be people in authority looking out for your souls. Who's looking out for your souls? I've said this before, but oftentimes you can tell when Christians who don't have pastors because they call me or other people like me to do their weddings and their funerals and things, visit them, pray with them when they're, when they're sick because they don't have pastors to do that. They either don't go to church at all or they just go everywhere to church whenever they feel like going to church. And they're, you're missing out on the accountability. And what it means is that you're not going to be as good as you could be. God gave you that tool to help you, but you have to willingly submit to it. Now, all of us one day are going to involuntarily submit to the will of God, whether you like it or not. Your knee is going to bow and your tongue is going to confess whether you like it or not. Amen. But right now, we have to be willing to submit to accountability. We have to be willing to be a part of a group of people that has a say in our life and can influence us for Jesus. And that's not always fun. I'm not here to tell you that it's always fun to be under accountability. It's much more pleasurable if no one can tell me how to live my life. Isn't that what we're here in the world today? You see it all the time. Christians and they don't go to church and they're saying church is bad and church is evil and there's too many wicked people and all the preachers are rich. And I'm still, I'm still waiting for that rich part <laughs> to come because um, uh, I know a lot of preachers and none of them are rich, not even close. And can I tell you, the preachers I know, if they ever got like, if they ever came into money, they wouldn't take any money from the church at all. Come on. The only reason that preachers do get paid is for their time so that they can devote themselves to the word of God and not have to devote themselves to a job and the word of God. Amen. Are you hearing me today? But it's going around today. This like whatever I feel is right. And don't you dare judge me. And don't you dare have a say in my life. I'm going to be quiet and to myself. And you know what? You're making a mess of your life. God wants you to be a part of a family so that those people can help you be better. You help me be better. 
Iron sharpens iron. You help me want to serve God. When I see you, I think of church. I think of God. I think of Jesus. I think of all the things I should do. Amen. I hope I do the same for you. Amen. I hope I uplift you and encourage you and make you want to do it. But you, it's, since it's not easy, you have to understand, and I'm closing with this, you have to really understand that it's going to make you a better person. Because if you don't understand that it's profitable, you won't go through the turmoil of it. What did, what did Hebrews say? Like when God is holding you accountable and he's chastising you, you don't like it. But if you're wise, you know that it's going to produce a better you. In fact, a you that is going to be more at peace than you've ever been before. Come on. Amen. So I'm here to tell you, the standard of being accountable needs to be put back in our lives and put back in the church. The standard of accountability, which means you can't be accountable unless you belong to people. People who know your name, leaders who feel like you're one of their sheep and they will look out for you. And ultimately understanding that you are accountable to God. I know God has forgiven every sin. I know that you are righteous before the Lord. Can I tell you something? I'm not talking about your salvation or your position in Christ. You're his child. You are. But because you're his child, he expects some things from you. You were saved for the purpose of good works. And he will chastise you and hold you accountable when you don't do what he wants you to do. Trust me, I know this. So put the standard of accountability back in your life. Some of you aren't going to hear this because you just want to be what you want to be and you want no one to hold you accountable. But to those of you who want to be better, who want to be more like Jesus, it is biblical that you are accountable to others and ultimately to God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you that it's challenged us and that it's helped us, Lord. And I pray that we do more than just understand it, but that we put it into practice in our lives. That we willingly position ourselves where we're accountable. Father, I pray that we do that so that that tool helps us make the right choices in our lives. It helps us to not live as if our feelings are our God. As if our appetite and our desire in the moment is how we should live. But no, it teaches us that there's something bigger than us. Something outside of us. It is the word of God. It is the standard by which we live. And while the Holy Spirit is pushing me to that, I still have a flesh. And I need the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower my will and my choices. And I need to be accountable to other people. Because I want to be better. I want to be more like Jesus. I don't want to be comfortable, God. Say this if you say anything to God today. I don't want to be comfortable, God. I want to be more like Jesus.